following is a reading from All the President's Men by Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. The National Staff of the Washington Post rarely covers police stories. So, at Sussman's request, both Bernstein and Woodward returned to the office the next morning, a bright Sunday, June 18, to follow up. An item moving on the Associated Press wire made it embarrassingly clear why McCord had deserved further checking. According to the campaign spending reports filed with the government, James McCord was the security coordinator of the Committee for Re-election of the President. The two reporters stood in the middle of the newsroom and looked at each other. What the hell do you think it means? Woodward asked. Bernsey didn't know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Joining me is someone who said that this movie slaps, but she herself indeed does slap. It is one of my favorite film critics in the world. Um, she writes for a whole stack of publications, LA Times, Chicago Tribune. She's part of the Tribune agency, so you see her stuff all over the place. My favorite, Katie Walsh. Katie, welcome to All the President's Minutes. Oh, you really mean that? You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. Uh, yes, <laughs> around. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie, and I love that you pick these movies that are 150 minutes long. Hey, this one's only 138. It's like okay. it feels like a walk in the park <laughs> compared to Heat's 167. <laughs> There's my next two years. Well, I'm I'm real. I'm going to 13 months for this bad boy, and I'm putting it out. I'm like barreling. I want to get it out basically for January of next year, which I'm hoping will coincide with uh, a, a positive election result uh, for the United States. Um, so <laughs> fingers crossed. crossed, right? Fingers crossed. Yeah, look, I, you know, you said it perfectly. It's like this movie is a movie that you just throw on and then you're watching the whole thing. And that's what like continued to draw me to this while I was doing One Heat Minute is like this movie, I just throw it on and it's just insanely good like every single part of it even though it's just the grind of people doing the same things and eking out little bits of information it is just there is something about the chemistry of the whole thing that's just fucking excellent and you can just watch it over and over again and i just think those movies need to be celebrated totally i mean i have a thing for competency porn yes yes (laughs) like people doing their jobs well I could just watch the shit out of that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and um, well, this is a tangent, but like I fully cried so hard in Sully, the Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when the tugboats like rescue the people on the plane, I'm like, they're doing their jobs and being helpful. <laughs> like, a tugboat is helping. I'm like, why am I crying at this? <laughs> And I don't cry in All the President's Men, but, like, there's nothing. I could watch, like, literally 12 hours of, like, Robert Redford just making phone calls and taking notes. Yeah. And just calling these, like, unsuspecting secretaries and being like, oh, what, what was that? Oh, he's at whose office? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and just gigantic ties, beautiful yeah. old phones, like, not even headsets. <laughs> like, the agony of, like, holding a phone. Like, Especially when you're thinking like you're holding a phone on your neck for hours, like scribbling notes on a notepad, holding, holding, holding. Like 
it used to be an effort like to sit there. Whereas yeah. like, I know like you and I not on podcast, but certainly on like, if you're ever, if you've ever been on a teleconference these days and you just do not want to engage, you can like put your feet up, you can lie on the floor with your headphones in and hit your phone on mute. Like this is the, you know, back in this day, like you're covering yeah. receivers and you can just like lay back and be like, this is so boring. I don't need to be here. But like in this, he's not only have to be intently focused, you're like holding this gigantic receiver. You're like calling random, any numbers. Like I'm you just, it, it feels like such a, like it's going to be so thankless and it's not going to get you anything. But when they start to like be fruitful, you're like, holy shit. And you get a great, you get a great moment in this minute because we're at the 15th minute of all the presidents, man. Alan, you gave me one of the best moments. Yeah, I did. I gave you, I gave you the question. I gave you an amazing question. Who is Charles Coulson? Yes. I was like, I was timing it out. I'm like, okay, where's the 15th minute? And then I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like the minute this is where a, like everything breaks wide open. It is a minute. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you get the insane, um, you get Harry, um, the insane Jack Warden, the legendary Jack Warden, just going, sit down. Let me just, let me, let me start telling you something. And so look, let's, let's, we're going to watch yeah. the minute together. Let's do that. And then we're going to come back and talk about it because it is just so good. And I just want to ask you, could a tie be any wider than Robert Redford's tie <laughs> before we go into the minute? I don't think it's possible. The limit has I, been reached. I, I, I just I, I start immediately Googling. This is the scene where I'm Googling, like, how wide is that tie? Or how skinny is he? Because I've never seen a tie so wide. Anyway. Here we go. We're going to watch it. Ties an Irishman. <laughs> oh my I mean, God. Now that that'll is... do a run for your, for the white tie money. <laughs> oh my God. That's a double feature. Wide tie, double feature. All right. We're going to, yeah. we're going to watch okay. this at the 15th minute. Um, you guys are going to listen along and we're going to come back and talk about it. White House. Howard Hunt, please. Mr. Hunt isn't here just now. He might be in Mr. Colson's office. I'll connect you. Thank you. Charles Colson's office. Howard Hunt, please. Mr. Hunt isn't here just now. Do you know when he'll be back? No, I don't. Okay, thank you. Have you tried the Mullen firm? I beg your pardon? He also works as a writer at Mullen and Company Public Relations. Do you have a phone on that or an address, please? No, I don't. I'm sorry. All right, thank you. Survey taken. 10.9% of your low budget houses. Who's Charles Colson? Who's Charles Colson? Sit down. You know, I'm glad you asked me that question. The reason I'm glad you asked me is because if you had asked Simons or Bradley, they would have said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Love the cliffhanger moments. I'm glad you asked me that because if you had Simons or Bradley, would have asked me. We would have said, we're going to have to fire this. Great. He's so good. Yeah. I love all the character actors in this. Um, I just put together that Martin Balsam, who plays Simons, is the friggin' detective in Psycho. Yes, he is. What's down the stairs. <laughs> yes, he is. I yeah. love him. I love all those guys. That that's a that's a um like that's a little like casting flex. Like back then, it's like, oh yeah, we'll get Balsam. Like he's been in absolutely everything, and people love him. And I feel like they got all of those guys for this movie. Like everyone who was a beloved character actor that was just loved. They're like, yep, him, 
him, him, her, her, her. Yep. Okay, good. We've got the cast and then the two movie stars at the center. And that's, that's exactly what we want for this scene. Yeah. It's, it's, I kind of yearn for this. I wish we had to do this more often. I wish we had nice secretaries to talk to in any part of our job. Like with publicists, it's just like you're going direct to publicists. There's no secretaries. There's like sometimes a receptionist. There's not even a, they will get back to you. A message will get to them. It's usually that a call is being screened or, you know, an email is being ignored. It's actually this nice refreshing thing of like you call them. If you can't get them, you ask them to take a message. You speak to them or you go to their office. It's just something. I love the analog. I love every part of this. It's just, um, it's so good. Yeah, where uh, they're just offering up these little tidbits of information like, oh, yeah, he also works here and he might be in this person's office. And it's like just following those, you know, he's pulling the the piece of the sweater or the and unraveling it. Yes. It's little tiny bit by bit by bit. Um, but also, I mean, these fucking idiots wrote <laughs> his name on their paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all he has to do is just be like, uh, Howard Hunt, Yellow Pages. <laughs> just... I just love when he calls Howard Hunt later and he's just like, good God. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah. I have no comment. Yes. So uh, many. Can we just say, you just brought up something that hasn't been underscored too much yet, which is just how many amazing. So we talk about the character actors, but just how many amazing performances. Like for us audiophiles now who are such like podcast listeners and stuff, how many amazing audio performances come down the end of a phone? Like where you yeah. don't even ever have to see them. Like some of the secretaries sound nicer than others, more helpful than others, more cantankerous than others, and more, you know, frightened in some instances than others. Um, and then the individuals that they're talking to on the phone, especially like people waking up from sleep or things like that. It's it 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 is such a huge sphere of this movie and it's a really interesting and I think sort of like, I don't know, one of those things that makes it evergreen choices of we are never going to show you another person they're talking to on the phone. When There's never going to be a scene, um, only between really Woodward and Burns scene, large, like I think maybe there's one scene, but it's you're going to only see the person who's instigating the call as the person on screen. We're not going to do any split screen crap or do any intercuts to try and speed this up or talk about the landscape. You're just going to have to figure out that they're talking to this person likely in an office somewhere or at their home and that's it. Yeah. Um, it reminds me, I just saw Uncut Gems for the third time. <laughs> oh, it's not out in goddamn Australia yet, Katie. It's not out yet. Okay. Won't talk about it, but there are some great phone performances on yes. that as well, where you never see the person and it's going through, you know, it's somebody's rep or it's somebody's, you know, uh, agent or it's a person at an auction house. And it's like these great phone performances. So I'm just going to say, pay attention to the voices on the phone. I can't wait. And, um, yeah, I mean, you get these great performances, even from the librarian who's like, oh yeah, I'll happily give you the list of all the books on Kennedy that he's checked out. And then two seconds later, she's like, this phone call never happened. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the, her, the, the sort of uh, like sudden, sudden cover up that happens, the switch that happens so quickly is like, you know, they start to realize that they're stepping on like a hornet's nest. And um, that's all, you know, th this, this moment is just him starting to 
pound the phone, I guess. Uh, and, and then it, that, it, that's what the whole movie turns into. It's just them pulling and pulling and pulling the string. It's like, um, it's, it, it sort of tells you for a split seconds, like you don't know if this is going to be anything. And then once, like you said, you get this moment and it's Colson, it's like, oh no, this is the way we have to do this. We literally have to call people and grind it out. And then they literally grind it to death, you know, at a later point of the movie. And we're not going to discuss that in too much detail, but they grind the phone grind to death because they can't get, you know, other than their existing sources, no one's talking to them. So they literally have to show up on people's doorsteps um, to even possibly get something. But I just love here just like the craft of, yes, it's a massive, like great close-up shot. There's a little technical thing here, which is that Robert Redford's left-handed and he spends the whole movie right-handed because Bob Woodward's right-handed. And so you see, and I don't know if it's him scribbling the notes. I haven't, I haven't been able to find that in research specifically because obviously the person that is writing the notes is very fluid writing the notes and I don't think that Redford's ambidextrous so I'm guessing it's someone else who's right who's writing them in those like hand close-ups on the notebooks and scribbling um but he spends the whole time on the phone with his holding it in his left hand and and uh, as opposed to his inclination holding his right and dialing the phones with his right hands and stuff like that but I just love that how much chaos is happening around him. Like the minute that he puts that receiver down, you get up and you get multiple shots across this huge stage that is the Washington Post that they've built for themselves in Burbank. And there's like a, a million other people doing stuff. Women, like people of color. Like and, and like I think if one of the things that you would surprise, like obviously in a lot of the editorial meetings and rooms, there's just a whole bunch of white guys. And I think that when you look at something like um, Liz Hanna and Spielberg's The Post later on, you do it does show a little bit more of that diversity that's in the newsroom or like brings it to the fore um, for the Pentagon Papers. But like this movie most certainly, like it has it. It just doesn't quite underscore it. And like I think Pacula and the team there are like, no, this is what the newsroom needs to look like. It needs to look rep- be representative of what the newsroom there looked like but they just hadn't broken through into positions i guess of influence and power at this time so like it's cool like you just see these cross sections and it's like six lady reporters and one african-american reporter and then on the other side it's the same it's it's kind of like i I love that in this scene because i'm like breaking it down 10 seconds by 10 seconds essentially and and you're just seeing all these like great cross sections like the 40th second mark you look over there's like a couple of white guys, there's three women, and then there's two people of color there who are grinding away at the desks. And then similarly on the other side of the newsroom, a whole set of different people <laughs> that are all doing the same thing. It's it's such a nice little touch. Yeah, I um I was gonna comment on the insane sound design yes. in the film and the constant like what what's it the, the sort of constant low level of anxiety at the typewriters just constantly going, the phones constantly ringing and sort of like finding how they have to find their focus in this chaotic sound mix. I mean, there are even, the sound in this movie is crazy. The scene where, sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Bernstein is sort of having this like flirty conversation with a young secretary and- At the the outdoor cafe. Yes, and the planes are going over. Yes. I think about this all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, I just like the way that they're just like sort of adding more and more tension through the layers of like environmental sound is just so masterful. And the overlapping sound, like I think in this minute, like or right around this minute, there's 
uh, I think he, he, he talks to Harry who's like, you're an idiot or you're a schmuck. <laughs> and then he, you hear the sound of the rotary phone going as he's walking away. So like the action is already starting before he started it or before we see it. So it's like the overlapping sound is, is constantly happening. Like the edit is amazing. And, and what I love about Pacula's style is like, it's not showy, yes. but you're instantly like locked in and you're like, what's happening? I need to know what's going on. And it's just guys going about their business. But like, I mean, if I, if I had to like teach film production or like filmmaking, I would, which I wouldn't be bad at, but you know, I would just make them watch this movie until their eyeballs fall out of their <laughs> <laughs> um, Because you know, there's because... so much they have to tell you, right? There's so much exposition and there are so many movies that when it happens, it pumps the brakes on your experience. It's just like, we're going to tell you information now and it's going to be boring as batshit. And you're like, oh, so bored yep. right now. This is so you know, unessential or if it is essential, it's not doing anything. You don't get us, you know, it's, it's, it's giving you too much airtime and killing all the tension. Whereas in this, it's like decisions of framing and like in literally the preceding seconds, like the next seconds after your minute going into the 16th minute is all where like those first split diopter shots happen, where literally you've got the, those wonderful shots of like the, the other female reporter that's sitting next to Woodward at the moment, like grinding away on the phone, talking, typing people in the background. It's like, Nothing is stopping in this newsroom and these guys yeah. are just a small cog in this massive wheel. And we want to know that they're the tiniest cog right now because we don't even know what the hell this story is. Yeah. I, I mean, and um, yeah, the, 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 the exposition is all sort of so baked in, so lived in. So, you know, the way that they would talk to each other and it keeps you hanging on every word. Cause you're like, wait, who were they talking to that said that? Oh wait, that was, that person from that really high up office or that was, um, that librarian or whatever. And, and you almost have to like either pay super close attention or keep rewinding and being like, wait, what was that? What was that? Um, but the exposition is like, so just like beautifully done and everything's just like extremely efficient. Yeah. Which I respect hugely. Yeah. Because when you watch as many movies, particularly as you watch and file as many reviews as you have to do, the moment that a movie, especially when it is feeling familiar, decides to pump the brakes on you with exposition and not be lean and have these huge fatty bits, it's just like, oh my God, how laborious. Whereas like, um, it took to, to take it on a, a completely incredible tangent is like, um, a, re- a movie I recently enjoyed, which is very kind of genre familiar and has a lot of movies that you could associate with is Underwater with uh, Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. which a 90 minute movie that just by sheer blistering pace, like does not overstay its welcome at any point. So even if there are parts of the movie that lose you or you kind of like, as it, as it is a sort of creature feature uh, tension movie in in that way, um, it it can kind of either lose you or have you by the end of the movie in in its climactic moments. Um, I just appreciate like, it, it only takes the briefest amount of breath to get you back to sort of neutral again before it like squeezes you in, in, in those sort of tense moments. And this movie, this, there's no creature at the end. There's no exciting thing. It's like, and there's the behemoth that we know is going to happen, but it's like you're still hanging on every word and that's really, really skillful. Oh, yeah. And, and just how um, workmanlike 
and the the filmmaking is, which I think reflects the workmanlike attitude of these reporters who are just like, we're doing our job, we're doing our job. Our job is to find the story. And um, I think like they're they're on the metro desk. Yeah, they're right. On the, yeah, only on metro. Yeah, so like it's not a huge. It's like literally a break in at a local hotel. It's not a matter of national security, even though we like realize later it's it's like huge scandal. But you know, it's just like these like beat reporters being like, oh, someone broke into this hotel. Gonna like go down to the arraignment. Gonna start bugging old Markham and <laughs> I mean, talk about ties. Oh, Markham's tie is beautiful. It's like a, it's like Gucci. Gucci saw that tie and we're like, that's that's the next thirty years of our designs. Like that's it. I I also love how like the the I guess like the public defenders or whatever like real country club type, and then he just immediately zeroes <laughs> big blue suit. Like oh gross. Um, yeah, I mean, everything is just so. Everything about the filmmaking like reflects the experience that these guys are going through. Yes. And which is like finding the thing, dogged determination, unshowily. <laughs> yes. It's so unshowily, in fact, that corduroy is just blooming in this office. Like, I mean, there couldn't be more corduroy. What is what <laughs> says dogged more than ill fitting corduroy pants <laughs> that don't breathe? <laughs> oh, and that swampy DC climate. <laughs> oh, God. I want to know what time of year it is. Isn't it like June? Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah. I, God, who's wearing corduroy in DC in June? My God. <laughs> Redford. Redford. It's all about, um, I mean, with ties this wide and corduroy. This is what I miss, Katie. This is like, you know, this is the dream that I, you know, that I, that I cling to it one day is like, if you, if you somehow got the money to have a media conglomerate, I would just like replicate this office exactly. I'd be like, all right, everyone who's filing a review now, we're writing on typewriters. I don't care if we need to like buy this special little digital scanning mechanism that like scans the print and then makes it digital. But I'm like, I want to do it on typewriters. I want us to wear corduroy. I want us all to smoke. I don't care if what, I mean, Cancer be damned. Like, we're all smoking. This is the kind of place that I want to be. Or notebooks, big Just old phones. Swathed in unbreathable polyester. <laughs> it's like no one's skin is breathing at all anywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I understand your, um, your desire for that replication. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just, I, this is just such a, you know, I do going back to your previous point about like how many movies I watch and like how spectacular this is. Like I, when I first saw this movie, I could not believe, you know, it's two and a half hours or two hours and 20 minutes. And it's like, it just rips. It feels like 90 minutes Yes, and you're never bored and you're drawn into it so quickly. I mean, I watch so many movies on screeners where like within five minutes, I'm like, Oh my God, what, why am I watching this? It's so boring. Or it's like, um, it just doesn't grab me. I'm not interested in the story at all. And and I keep watching the opening of this being like, why am I drawn into this right away? Like, mm. I don't understand what magic they are doing to make this so compelling. And I don't know if it's like the withholding of information or the way it's so like simply presented, but um, there's just something about the way this movie starts where you're like, I need to know what's happening and I'm immediately drawn in and I like these characters and 
I want them to succeed on their journey and I want to know what's going on. Even if you know the story, even if you know, you know, the history of, of what was happening. So I just, I just, anytime I see like a really well-made movie like this where I'm like, Oh, I just like have to, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. It's, it's like, it feels miraculous to me because I've seen so many things that I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so boring or full of shit or whatever. So <laughs> I, I think it I might, really, I think it might be that withholding. I wonder that too, because it's like, it doesn't take long to have its hooks in you. And like, as, as, as many times as I may mention, it's like, when I hear that opening score to heat, it's a dumb train. It's a dumb train in the night, but there's something about it. Like, I don't know what, what it is. It's like, the, sometimes it's that it just strikes this nerve of like inquisition and you got like, who's on the train? Yeah. Like just that as simple as. Who's on that train? Like, because you go, we're watching a train. It's about to pull into a station. Who's on the train? And and I think in this movie, the fact that it's like, we're seeing Nixon at his height going to address the nation and he's flying in like a god on this plane that's flown from another part of the world and it's, you know, on the, sorry, on this giant, gigantic helicopter and he's coming in and he descends and we go from like this height of like applause to just darkness and indeterminate sounds which we then find out as like lock picking and so it it comes into this i i i think you're right there's this weird thing where it's just like this hook just goes boom and you're just straight in and it's like it's three minutes it's less than three minutes actually it's like two and a half minutes and it's got you and there are so many movies that just you know it might even take 15 to 20 minutes before you're even feel like you're warmed up like oh, okay i can give this a chance now but there's sometimes you know i know how many movies you watch too it's like you watch it and you're like can we get on with this? Like, can you fucking get on with it? Because like, it's so laborious. Yeah. For me, I, it's like, it's the tape on the door mm. when the security guard pulls the tape off and you're just like, who put that tape there? Mm. What's going on? Like what? And it's, it's such a dorm room move. Like when you're in college, like, Oh, I'm going to put tape on my doorknob. <laughs> A dorm room move. These guys are as good as someone who's breaking into a dorm. Let's be fair. They're fucking they're really so bad like, at breaking into places. They suck, but they think they're good at it. They're like... Oh, my God. And their dumb suits and their gloves that are taped up. It's the dumbest fucking outfit. I know. They, like, think they're so hard. <laughs> but they're not. Um, they're bad. Come on, <laughs> they're guys. Jobs. Come on, guys. Get some overalls like, or something, for God's sake. I know. It's like, uh, and 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 then all the stuff that happens after, like, you know, you see how easy it is for these guys to sort of, like, at least, maybe they don't figure it out all right away, but they at least pull hard enough to find the beginning of a story. And it's Markham. It's um, the guy at the arraignment being like, uh, uh, uh CIA, uh, like... <laughs> and it's uh these people saying oh he works in this office and they're like oh okay there's obviously something here but like the fact that they're like writing in their notebooks like howard hunt phone number (laughs) blah 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 it's like you know like you can tell that howard hunt on the phone is just like jesus christ like why did this happen (laughs) but but also you know there's that great line like these are not very bright guys it's like it's so flagrant in all aspects i think that that's what's I think that's what's like this underrated thing about 
And like, it's the great lie of every espionage movie, right? That these government operatives are so smart and everyone is so far ahead of you. And I think it's that what we get as we get a bit older with our cynicism is you're like, politicians are dumb. There are some of them that are so dumb that you're like, I don't even know how this person dresses in the morning. They're that stupid. And how they got into a position of power, you're like, stupid. It's like, oh, no, there are stupid people who eventually amass influence because they say the right stupid things to the right stupid audience or they're manipulated and put in as a power as, as someone in power because there are smarter people that are behind the scenes. And that's ultimately what's happening is that sometimes these dumb people are compliant and they do these dumb compliant things, but you can't expect that they're going to be smart every time or they're going to get everything right. And it's like, I, I love that about this is like, you've got the president of the United States dispatching, asking for his political competitors to be spied upon. And the guys that get to do it is this ragtag motley idiots like in in every other spy movie it's like get james bond like he'll be the one that does it or get someone get jerry butler for christ's sake but not these muppets get mike whatever his name is from olympus has fallen <laughs> mike bannon mike bannon how could i forget um just he check, at least on, check just... your mike bannon tattoo on your forearm <laughs> oh. <laughs> um uh, yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't imagine who you could be talking about. Politicians being dumb, don't know how they dress themselves in the morning. Um, yeah, I know a few, I've heard, I, I feel like I've heard of a few of those guys, but, um, yeah, I also, you know, in the past like couple of years, I've just realized I'm like, oh, politicians are just like bossy, annoying people who like want to like boss everyone around, like the lamest guy from your like high school class. Yes. <laughs> and that, that, those are the people who become you know, politicians and set the laws for all of us. Um, but, uh, I think what's also, you know, like sort of an interesting comparison and, and what we've been taught or like what I've been talking about, sort of this like workman, like, uh, approach to reporting. And like, also, I mean, if you wanted to like, see how to do reporting, you watch all the president's men. Yes. And, but you know, it's like, it's just a couple of guys, doing their jobs, doing them very well. And, and that's sort of, um, juxtaposed with these guys who I think that their sloppiness also speaks to their entitledness and sort of feeling like we can get away with this. Yes. We're, we're high up We're you know, we have these connections, but also that they're like, it's just dudes. It's just not anybody extraordinary or special. And they are fallible and able of making these very dumb mistakes. So it's sort of like, there's a, both a celebration and like damning of the mundane of like the everyday, the quotidian yes. in this life, in this movie, like look at what this, at this amazing thing that, that you can do uh, just being a regular reporter and how you can change the world. And like, also you can just be a regular guy who has to break into the Watergate hotel and <laughs> very, you can also make some very dumb mistakes. Um, I was, this is a total side note, but um there's a the documentary Mike Wallace is here. Oh yeah, about yeah. Mike Wallace, who was the 60 Minutes correspondent, and I last summer played by played by Chris Plummer in The Insider. Yes, and uh, um, but so there's an amazing. I laughed so hard. I was like, I have not laughed this hard uh, <laughs> in a movie when Mike Wallace is just 
grilling John Ehrlichman, who was one of the Nixon guys. He is grilling this man over an open flame. Like he just has him <laughs> on a spit, like a little <laughs> going around and around. And Ehrlichman is sweating, like just rivulets of sweat. <laughs> TV just like silently like looks like he's taking a shit and he's just like <laughs> pouring down his face I laughed so hard funniest thing I have seen <laughs> in the movies in a long time so I highly recommend Mike Wallace is here for just seeing who these Nixon guys really are <laughs> I mean obviously he interviews a lot of different people but he he was pretty um integral in that in the watergate thing so anyway Mike yeah. wallace nixon guys hilarious <laughs> definitely gonna find i'm gonna definitely seek that out i'd heard about it i'd heard about it but it hasn't hasn't gotten any kind of release in oz yet i'm gonna have to see if i can seek that out but it, that was did the fest was that festival so good is it like on us itunes these days they it, it came out um last some um, last july it was released in theaters so it's probably on itunes by now um but yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's like a 93 minute documentary, almost all archival footage, and it's just a rollicking ride. A it's rollicking really ride of watching Mike Wallace fillet people who are just totally inept. Yes. And I the don't think sweat, the sweat on Ehrlichman's face made me laugh so hard. Like <laughs> that person is guilty. You can tell yeah. by his face. Like, <laughs> but, but isn't that the what's great when you're like that is if we're talking about what journalists need to do and be, it's that yeah. I don't give a fuck like Mike Wallace interviewing oh, Ehrlichman. Like uh, he's not caring about editorial interference. He's been told, go and eviscerate this guy. Like hold him. He's been told pr- primed for that interview to go, no, hold his feet to the fire. <laughs> and when I bet you his producers in an earwig, like are going, Oh Mike, this is so fucking good. Mike, yeah. keep going. Oh my goodness. Look at those sweat. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Keep going. <laughs> like, But you know, Mike Wallace uh, kind of invented that like confrontational interview style, which is really interesting. And I mean, he's definitely cut from the same cloth as Woodward and Bernstein, just like, dog on a bone will not stop until they get what they need. And I mean, I feel like that's kind of a rare breed in journalism sometimes. So, and you know, it's, and that's a type of journalism that's like not, that's like under threat in a lot of ways, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to do that. And it's not easy to get money to do that. And it's not easy to get the outlets to do that. So and and it's right like, now and right now in LA you're getting stupid legislation that's passing that's like crippling the freelancing industry or like you guys are currently lobbying against it. Yep, yep, yep. We are, and I mean, talk about politicians being the dumbest, most annoying people in your <laughs> high school class. That then, I mean, the reason why Los Angeles just like exploded the independent contracting industry is because some psychotic woman in San Diego decided to pass this law and i'm just like we didn't even vote on this <laughs> like, why does this random assembly woman from san diego get to like decide how you know all independent contractors earn their money anyway i could do a whole hour long <laughs> podcast on that as well see my twitter if you need more information <laughs> we'll definitely link it in the description in case you guys need to know it's a it's a it's a it basically it's a it's a limiting 
the amount of freelance work that you can have or, or, or contract work that you can have or contractors working for certain companies. And I think maybe the incentive was that there were some big companies that were like only on contractors, but the latent impacts of something like freelance journalism, which literally people live and die by <laughs> the freelance market, um, um, and you're having these different freelance journals that work for you, it's like saying, okay, cool, you can only have X amount of articles a month which is like nine or 10 or something stupid like that. When some people do 50 and you're like, and it's like, it's, it's just so it's a a total misunderstanding of like how freelance journalists work. And, um, you know, it has to do with like it basically they want, they think that if they limit how much freelancers work, that we will then be hired as employees. Mm. And it's like, no, they don't have to hire us. They can just go to another state or another country and hire someone there who isn't, who isn't limited. So it's pretty bad. We're fighting it. We have a first amendment lawsuit in the books. So March, we'll see what happens. Well, good luck. Cause this is, (laughs) this is the kind of fight that you need, right? Like against uh, someone who just makes a decision and doesn't uh, even wonder what the consequences are going to be, which is apt for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is apt for this movie. And it also, you know, I mean, the thing is that it's just going to end up limiting a, how much freelancers can work and be the, the voices of yes. freelance journalists. And I think that that is really bad considering the stats about representation in journalism. And so, you know, I mean, you would think that there would be more, um, reverence for uh the work that freelance journalists do and certainly many people have been exploited but this is not the law that's going to fix exploiting journalists but we should support and uphold journalists and we should all watch the all the president's men because <laughs> like fucking journalism porn to just be like oh yeah take those notes make those phone calls yes can someone please pass my messages on yes <laughs> yes i work oh, for I'm- Polish up your copy. <laughs> oh, talk dirty. There's, yeah. that's, that, 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 that's the weird thing is like any of us who are freelance journos in any way, you hear that stuff and you're just like, oh my God, give me an editor that puts a red pen through uh, anything, anything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if we're going to work together, I want you to print it out and I want you to write, you scribble things out with a red pen, take a photo. It'll make me so happy. It'll make me so Edit happy. me, baby. Yeah, yeah. love that. Love yeah. that. Um, so, what else in this minute do we have to cu- touch on? I, I I think just the 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 final one is, and I, I just want to talk to you about like about what else has its hooks in you because I think you touched on it perfectly about what has its hooks in you is just I like that these guys also fuck up a little bit, and I like that he doesn't know who Charles Colson is in this moment, and I like that Bernstein and maybe like ten other guys at that Metro desk do know who who he is but i just there's some endearing quality that i just want to talk about in movies of like you know there's sometimes that like reverence with journalists and things like that is always about infallibility so if someone fucks up a story or if someone is lied to in a story and they don't get a source or there's there's you know instances where you know pe- people have come on as false sources that have lied and then they've had you know they've validated things that are incorrect and there's circumstances that pop up in journalism but one thing i love about the ethos of these guys in this newsroom, even when it starts at the Metro desk before it moves up to this huge national story, is an international story, is these guys aren't great yet at their job and that people actually go, 
you're not great yet, but you're very good. And yes. and and we're going to help you be great because we're going to push you and we're going to grind you and we don't mind if occasionally it's going to be like, you know, we're going to have to take the piss out of you and say you're a schmuck when you don't know something. But I just love that in this minute you start to get that sense of like, these guys aren't great at it, but that's why you have editors who help them be great. Like the point is that you don't just get, you're not just a mold that comes out like a, like a phone on a factory line that just like stamp and there's that digital thing, like the circuitry's there. It actually takes time to be great and a lot of editorial guidance and support. Yeah, they have to be molded. But I also think, you know, there's a, a, I think what Redford brings is sort of this like real earnestness and the way he um, asks questions sort of without any um, guile or like embarrassment. He's just like, hey, I'm from the Washington Post. I, who are you? (laughs) Whose lawyer are you? And hi, who checked out this book? But even, but he does it even with his own boss. He's not hiding the ball. He's not yes. um, pretending like he knows more than he does. He he's like, hey boss, who's Charles Colson? And and the boss is like, oh Jesus Christ, you're <laughs> but, you know. It's like um, you know he that like level of just like being completely willing to ask the question is, I think, a really important quality for a journalist to have and the way that he asks it in such non-threatening ways like gets people to talk to him and um and he's willing to be like yeah I don't know this but I will find out and you know I mean I think Hoffman's character is a little bit more um like more of a know-it-all he is just a know-it-all like more so yeah, even when he's like lurking around and being like, "Oh, who are you talking about? I want to be on that story." Ooh, what's this? Oh, I'm like he's constantly like weaseling his way into what he knows is going to be a good story, but he's like, you know, he's a little bit smarmier. It's like they're <laughs> great um, foils for each other in this role, and they work really well together because they both are like a couple minutes later, Warden or uh, Harry says to Simons, he's like, they're hungry. Don't you remember what it was like to be hungry? And like, I love that, that in this. <laughs> and then, and then he parcels. He, I love that. You just said, touched on it. I'm, I'm glad we talk about it now. We definitely can talk about it in a minute. One of my favorite lines of the entire movie. So firstly, he's like, they're hungry. Don't you remember when they were hungry, when you were hungry? And he's so emphatic about them being on the story because he's so passionate about it. And then he walks out of the office and goes, you're both on the story. Now don't fuck it up. <laughs> it's just like the best. It's the best juxtaposition of like really emphatically supporting someone and then just knowing exactly what they need to do. Hey, idiots, you're both on the story. Don't fuck it up. Get back That's to it. That's the kind of editor you want. <laughs> oh my God, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. And also like Jack Warden. I mean, I was like reading a little bit more about him, but he's just like this Uber, like World War Two vet tough guy who's like in the Battle of the Bulge, like broke his leg doing a parachute jump. Like, I mean, he's such a like man of another era that we would like probably never see again. <laughs> never. And so and uh, he adds his flavor of that to so many movies like 12 angry men and and this and even like he goes on to star as like norm mcdonald's you know dad in like dirty work and stuff like that and Artie lang's dad like it's just and he always is that comedy and like i think the reason why he ended up leaning into comedy so much more is because he's just such a great foil of like no bullshit like he's the unfiltered no bullshit guy and so many movies don't know how to use 
that guy or maybe don't have the cause for that guy. Like here he's great as an editor because like you want the guy who's no bullshit but also has your back. And and yeah. and, and and like that's why he's made for like a war movie or made to have conflict in 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 a courtroom as a as a juror and or sorry as a as a jury room and made to have conflict as like a dad who you know is who like looks at your bullshit and goes stop what are you doing and then like you know gives that comedic foil he's so great he's so great in this yeah. moment and this bit he definitely has like big dad energy and like <laughs> and like a warmth too even though he's tough like, like you can tell he cares about the right thing so yeah he's wonderful um well so many good character actors uh i love them all just want to give them all a hug well well, this movie cares (laughs) about the right things and so i think that is a great way to end this moment this has been my dear friend katie walsh she's amazing you can find her at katie walsh on twitter and uh katie you're the best thank you so much for being a part of all the president's minutes this was amazing so much fun this movie slaps (laughs) this movie slaps and or (laughs) and or as we said off air it may also fuck. Yeah. It may it also. May. <laughs> it may also. And, uh, you know, whoever said that, I don't know who coined it in writing, but you, you took what we were all thinking and feeling and you put it out there and bless you for yeah. opening that gateway. Um, this has been all the President's Minutes. We'll catch you on another episode very soon. Bye. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the absolutely wonderful, the incredible katie walsh if you want to follow what katie's up to the best place to find her i find personally is on twitter um, because she is all over uh, the place with the tribute agency so if you want to find her on twitter it is at katie walsh s t x for x-ray you will not be disappointed um, and she is a frequent uh, collaborator of this uh, lovely productions uh, house if that's what you want to call us so she'll be back i'm sure Thank you so much again for listening to all the President's Minutes and anything on the One Heat Minute Productions feed. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and producer of Increment Vice, as well as everything that's been happening on the One Heat Minute Productions feed. If you want to follow me, simply go to at OneBlakeMinute on Instagram and on Twitter, or to OneHeatMinute.com to find out everything that's happening with the show and about the show. If you guys want to support us, we have a link on OneHeatMinute.com to our Patreon. If you can spare even a couple of bucks a month, the cost of a coffee a month you are going to be contributing to this show, The Amazing Increment Vice, and any other amazing shows that are a part of One Heat Minute Productions. Thank you so much in advance. If you can't support us, you don't have the cash, that's totally fine. But please, subscribe, rate, review, and share the shows. We would love, if you are digging the show, share them with like-minded film folk around the place. Thank you so much once again for listening to this episode. We'll catch you on another episode of All the President's Minutes and another episode in the One Heat Minute Productions feed very soon.